This is a wee bit of everything. The podcast that explores all things sport and teaching. Hello there and welcome to the A Wee Bit of Everything podcast with your hosts Lewis and Clark. Thanks for coming back to tune in to this week's episode. We really are amazed by all the support we have received from everyone so far. Our partner of the podcast is Premiership Experience who have played a big role in helping us develop. Premiership Experience offer fantastic sports tours within the UK and abroad so be sure to check them out on Twitter at Prem Experience. This is a professional learning platform where we get ideas and insights from like-minded professionals. Our vision is to inspire, to teach and to entertain. So let's get started with this week's episode of A Wee Bit of Everything. This week on the podcast we are joined by dance specialist Kerry McClellan who works out of Knightswood Secondary School in Glasgow. So it's a dance school, one of the dance schools of Scotland. Um, Kerry's on tonight to talk to us about all things dance and hopefully install that wee bit of confidence in you if you are tasked with the challenge of teaching dance for the very first time to perhaps an S1 or an S2 class to hopefully give you some ideas and some takeaways from the episode um, for you to go and try with your classes. Yeah, Kerry started uh, her training in dance and gained her degree in 2006. She then started after that teaching at Knightswood Secondary School between 2006 and 2009. She then had to go and do her PGDE at uni and then went back to Knightswood in 2011 until now. Um, But in in between those times, she also taught in further education uh, for two years. She is also a member of the faculty for Scottish Ballet Associate Programme, and she's been a member uh, of that for over 10 years, teaching anywhere between P5 and S5. So that's a wee bit about Kerry. She's also got her own dance school as well. So we're going to find out a bit about that, a wee bit about her, her job at the moment and how she can uh, give us some practical tips to take into her own practice. So let's get started. Right, how are you doing, Kerry? Uh, welcome to A Wee Bit of Everything. It's great to have you on. How is your day been? Yeah, my day's been grand. Teaching dance outside in the lovely weather. Loving Thank the dream, you then. for having me on. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. It's um, good to get in touch with emails and, and ha- having a wee chat about your journey so far um, and all the kind of jobs you've been doing. So we're looking forward to uh, getting an insight into your knowledge and experience as a dance teacher and the work that you've done to support PE departments um, that you've worked in. So we'll get started then. So before you get, uh, we get we get into the kind of main part of the podcast, talking about dance and, and teaching it, could you give us uh, and the listeners a little background information on your career to date? Yeah, no worries. Um, So after I graduated um, with my degree in dance, I started as a very young teacher in Knightswood Secondary School, teaching dance within the mainstream dance department. So Knightswood Secondary School has got quite a lot of dance. They've got a dance department and they've also got the Dance School of Scotland. So like like a vocational setting, but then you've got the mainstream section where like f- from third year onwards anybody can choose it within their their options so I started there I worked there for two and a half years in Knightswood I then left for two years to go and work in further education where I worked as a dance lecturer at Edinburgh College and then so I worked there for two years and then I returned to I returned to Knightswood in 2011 and I have been there 
ever since, um, delivering OBGE dance in the, within the mainstream, national qualifications, both national five and higher, and also working within the Dance School of Scotland, delivering national qualifications to those young people as well. So because of the reduced timetable, they, um, they really didn't have that opportunity. But three years ago, I used to work late night there. So I'd be working from half past three to quarter to six, delivering their national qualifications for them. So now introduced in the dance school, which um, which is great, and I've got uh, my really good friend and colleague. She now deliver it, delivers it in the dance school, and my main focus is now in the mainstream. Right, brilliant. So you enjoy it then in the mainstream. Yep, yep. Yeah. Would you prefer better working in the, as a lecturer or as a, a teacher working with younger people? Oh, I I really enjoyed both, but my I feel like I, I really work well with um, young people particularly mm -hmm. um, but don't get me wrong I love working with students as well that's that's quite a hard question I do love working with them both because you get different outcomes from them both mm -hmm. um, so that's a hard one I, I would say it's, let's say it's equal I'll just right, say okay. it's <laughs> <laughs> pros and cons for both pros and cons for both absolutely right. so in terms of the kind of pathway from S1 to S6, could you maybe talk a wee bit about that then? Is that, if I was a pupil going to S1, could I take part in dance all the way through into S6? Okay, so in, I don't know what it's like in other schools, but in Knightswood, um, in the past, the, let's not include this year because this year has kind of been a write-off with COVID. Um, in S1 and S2, they would, can choose dance as part of like an option within PE and that's where I would be involved. So I would go to the PE department and the, the young people in S1 and S2 would give, be given like a four or a six week block of dance and I would cover every single class within that year so they all had an experience of it, which is so important because when they choose dance in third year, they need to have had some form of connection with me, know who I am, and the expectations and what they'll be doing. The end of yeah. second year, when they, they go through their option choices, they can choose dance as a separate subject. So that's mm -hmm. the come to me, S3 and S4. In S4, they would do their National 5. Then to S4, they can then choose to do it as a higher, if they wish. Okay, right. Sounds, I could have, have the young people from S1 all the way through to S6. For S1, so for the junior, sorry, Claire, is it just, or did you down for two periods a week then? For PE, um, I'm not, it would maybe be like, because it, I'm like a one person department, I would maybe uh -huh. class maybe once a week because right, of commitments in the timetable. Uh -huh. But at the end of a certain term, I would have covered all, all periods, all, all S1 and two PE classes. But it was maybe, maybe one period where it was like an option for mm -hmm. them, they got a choice. Mm, right, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so it must be great to see them develop all the way from S1 to S6. Oh, I love it. And, you know, if, even if I only get them for six weeks, I have always had an S1 and S2 dance club. So, you know, my dance clubs range about maybe 40 to 50 kids, you know, after school or at a lunchtime. So it's nice just to get to the young ones so that when you do get them you've already got you've got a lovely relationship established you know their strengths you know the areas for development so you can kind of tailor like your content just to meet your classes which is nice mm -hmm. 
And how how important do you think those relationships relationships already are for them in terms of getting quality out of the performance? Do you feel that's really important? hundred percent. I think relationships yeah. is one of the most important things. Dance is one of those um aesthetics where you really need a you need to have your confidence. And if you've got a teacher who is got a really good relationship with you, you can help build your confidence, then you're already in a good start because you trust your teacher, you trust what they're making you do. Um, for we girls moving their bodies in different positions and exploring ways of moving, you know, that is quite daunting at times. Um, as well as for boys as well, but there's a trust in your teacher when you've got a good relationship. So I think relationships are key. But obviously with boundaries as well, they know the standards. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so what would you feel are the main barriers then for, for learners when going through a block of dance? Um and then what would you suggest uh, for us kind of to overcome them? I think the main barriers for the young people is their lack of confidence and often their immediate assumption that they can't dance. So they'll maybe say I can't do miss, I can't do dance, I can't dance. And I'm like, but that's why you choose it, to learn. You don't have to have come with any experience. And actually, I quite like when they don't have experience because you can actually train them. You know, you can actually train them for, you know, their national qualifications, but also so that, you know, they're at appropriate standard that if they want to go into further education in relation to dance, that they're at the appropriate standard. So when they say they don't have any experience, I quite like that. To me, that's a bonus. So the lack of confidence, I think that's a main barrier to learning. Um, and if also another barrier is if they've no had prior learning from National 5. So if they only get the option to do it in third year, uh, a main barrier is not having any prior learning. Yeah. Uh, and a way of overcoming that is introducing it in S1 and S2, maybe through PE having a dance club, whether it be a lunchtime or after school, um, and just giving them some experience so that they, they don't have that lack of confidence. Maybe yeah. as well, like, if getting little ones involved in performances, whether it be like a, a school panto, a show, um, you know, a little after school performance where they show things to their friends, that's all confidence builders. Just doing everything that you can to make them feel special. Yeah, just try to put them in that position where they have to perform in front of others and put them out of their comfort zone, ultimately. But just also having, when you have that relationship, they know that somebody believes in them, so they'll do it for you. Yeah. You know? I, like, I, like, I like the idea of doing the, the extracurricular as well because you can get the ones that are actually really interested in it. So it's maybe not in a mixed ability class. Um, and you get those ones that just simply want to go and get better at dance. And that's a great way, I think, to, to help develop their confidence as well. Yeah. I think as it's in first and second year, there shouldn't be any pressure on them. It's about having fun, you know, meeting new friends. I always say when you go to a dance class, you make lifelong friends through dance. Um, and you'll find when you get a dance class, there's so many different social groups. But dance brings them together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was how me and Lewis met. We met in the afternoon. <laughs> we met, we met dancing at pressure one night, wasn't it, Lewis? I don't know how good my dances were, um, mind you, but I suppose. I don't know what style you were doing that night. <laughs> no, 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 look at us doing a podcast together. <laughs> Loving the dream. Brilliant. Yes, yeah, so, hey, on you go. Well, thanks for going over those uh, this kind of barriers of confidence and. 
you know, you spoke about the importance of tr trusting your teacher and, uh, and how to overcome that as well uh, through the extracurricular programmes that we can offer and also getting dance within the BG at an earlier stage to prepare them for the national qualifications. So thanks for doing that. Um, my, my question then, Kerry, kind of leads us on nicely from the previous one. So see in relation to teaching dance within the BG curriculum, how would you suggest teaching that to say an S1 or an S2 mixed ability class where you have got those different levels of confidence and obviously prior learning of the, the sport. I suppose you said if you've got it and they can opt into it, but what if like they have to go through that block? What would your kind of top tips be to kind of overcome that? So if it was a mixed ability class, I wouldn't really say put too much pressure on that and worry about that because somebody with dance experience and somebody with non-dance experience, it doesn't, believe it or not, make them any better or worse than each other because it depends on the experience I've had, whether they've been technically trained mm -hmm. or it's just been for you know for fun and then you get somebody who hasn't got any experience but they're almost like you you can mould them to be a technical dancer, you can train them. So in terms of mixability, it's actually very good for them because they you know they mix and it gives you a really good idea to see how technically trained they really are. So and they're also the kids aren't they in there's no preconceived ideas of what is good and what's not. Because, you know, you maybe get some young people who are like, um, oh, I've been dancing since I was two. And then another one who has never danced before. And immediately there's a fear factor in there. Mm -hmm. So I would kind of keep the mixability. I would focus on doing like a four or six week block. And in first and second year, I personally would be getting them on the fundamentals of dance. So like, focusing on their locomotive and the non-locomotive move, movement, looking at timing, working with music, um, being able to see them change levels, um, can they change direction and use their spatial awareness, can they you know, listen to you know, your basic dance instructions, stay in certain formations, adhere to um, the formations that the, the teacher is changing them in. So I would focus on not really a technique as such, just, you know, the fundamentals of movement and for them to get comfortable with you. I mean, six weeks isn't a lot, really. Mm -hmm. so it's about making them feel confident. With the boys, I used to do all the boys' classes as well, mm -hmm. um, which when they used to see me, they used to go, oh, no, it's her again. <laughs> because they were the dance teacher. So I used to... Um, See, it wasn't dance, it was movement to music. So I kind of found a way to get them to dance without thinking. So I would give them a number, say one to eight, and each number I would associate with a movement. So, right, boys, number one is a touch the floor. Number two is a turn around. Number three is a clap, okay? And they'd be like, right, show me one. Then they would do it. Show me what two is. So they thought this is brilliant because I would call it almost like a military code, like a command game. Mm -hmm. So I would never call it dance because immediately they would be like put off by me and not want me in the room. So, <laughs> and, so then I would do, then I would say faster and I would choose a piece of music that I knew that they would like. And then I put the music on and in time with the music, I would shout the code. And then by the end of it, they were dancing a sequence. Right, got you. And then oh. that the dance aspect. And then, you know, they would go, have you actually got us dancing? They're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> but without emphasising it, again, 
don't want to don't want their confidence to be knocked. Mm-hmm. There's ways in which you can tailor your class to cover dance um, without highlighting it too much. Then, if it works, go for it. I think that um, yeah, that's certainly something I, I, I could. I think I could do that. I think I, I don't think I would find too much trouble doing that. Um, no, I really, I really like that idea. What about what's your thoughts on like, see for the likes of like a mixed ability class? Because when I was on my probation year, I had a, an S two class and I had to teach them dance, and um, I did get some tips and stuff off one of the the girls in my department. But I was still going in completely blind, absolutely no experience in dance, um, apart from my interview that I had to do for PE. But that, that's pretty much it. Um, so I think I, I got them into. To like groups and like you said like covered like things like changing level and all that but I actually tried to mix the groups up so I had like maybe a dancer in each group and got them almost trying to um teach the ones that weren't dancers just to come up with like a I think I got them to create is it a motif it's called like when you've got to do like a count of eight yeah so and it's then, like significant it's a it could be it doesn't have to be eight counts but if it's like an eight count um motif that's right usually has like a significant meaning but like an eight count sequence yeah. aye. So, aye, so i just got them like to to do that and then work with like a another group and then try and build it wasn't amazing but like for that was the only thing i could literally think of but i really did like the idea of how you could do it in a bit more of a sneaky manner if you like yeah. um, as well though because then you've got the confidence one you know they're being leaders of their own learning then aren't mm-hmm. they giving them that opportunity and that's something that if you were doing, then you could just take the ideas of each group, put it together, and you've got a longer sequence. And it yeah. means you the sequence and feel even more special. Mm-hmm. Right, so I suppose then you, I get them all to teach, and then you've got like a, you've got four counts of eight. Yeah. Do you think that's cool that they're like showing the teacher what to do? Mm-hmm. You know, that's brilliant. But you're obviously clearly managing it, but they think that's oh, like he's getting me to do that. This is, I must be good. And they feel that they've all contributed to your class. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I'd like to ask, ask Kerry, just as you've got any other like creative strategies that, that I could use with my classes if I was starting out on that uh, with a dance block, maybe putting you on the spot there. But, um, well, uh, probably similar actually, where you could, if you've got a mixed ability class, you don't know what to do, and you, you, uh, you were allowed to have some group work, then you could put them into groups and you could maybe say, Right, I want group one, you want to give me a jump, um, an isolation, and a turn, but it can be any anything you want. It could be a jump with their hands in the air, it could be, you know, arms, you know, second spread out, when you, you, you could do an isolation with the head or the shoulder, and you could give each group the same instruction, so you can only give them a minute and 32 seconds to do that, and then you see them from each section, put it all together, and then you've got a big dance sequence. But you could say, you know, each movement lasts two counts, I'll give them four instructions, each class, each movement lasts two counts, and then you've got sets of eight. Right. So that it's built music and things, you, you know, you're, you probably hear the standard joke that dance teachers can only count to eight. <laughs> <laughs> do, um, you know, do little sections of eight, and then each group has contributed. You've got that cooperative learning going on. You know, you've got the use of pupil voice, they're putting in their opinions, and of course they feel special because you've given them some ownership. Would they perform, would each group perform all at the same time? I tend to judge the class, first of all, to see what the social groups are like, because I don't want any young person to be put off and think, when I go to her class, she makes me stand up and dance. I don't Mm -hmm. think it's, that's a personal opinion, I don't 
think you should put a, somebody under that pressure at such a young age until they got, start to get to know you and feel confident in the class. But you could certainly do it as a group. Say, right, group one, show me your eight counts. Good eight, group two. And then say, let's put them all together. So group one shows, let's all learn group ones. Right, there you go, there's eight counts. Add on group twos. Now we've got 16 counts. And you could end up with like a 32 count sequence, which is actually a lot to learn. Um, yeah, exactly. Single period, which I don't know about um, you guys, but ours is 50 minutes. Changing time, you're talking 30 minutes, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, so there you go. No, I, was just, I was just going to say, like, see in terms of anybody out there who's going to be assessing one of performances for National Five or higher, um, what would your what would your kind of key pointers be for kind of looking at the performance? What would the kind of access top marks would you say for anyone who's not comfortable or well, a dancer like myself? What would you say is the kind of top things to look for? So we talk about National Five dance here and not yeah. okay. Um, for me, it's um having a really strong technical training. Right. So looking at their technique, so depending on the well, technique is technique. You know, the use of like the flexibility, their turnout, their parallel, their alignment, their posture, um, the way in which they, you know, can they adhere to the key characteristics of a certain style. So I'd be looking for how technically trained they are. Right, okay. Um, and the more, more technique that you see coming through, it, it's quite difficult not to mark them high because technique is the most fundamental thing to dance. That's what makes it look good, isn't it? If you could have a count of eight and just kept repeating it, would that be would that be kind of weakness for you if it were just the same thing going over and over again? Yeah. So if you're doing so when they do their one up when they do their solo performances, that's teacher led. So that's a, a, a sorry a piece of choreography the teachers and mm -hmm. they should you know it's um yeah it should be varied content throughout. It's yeah. then show how versatile a dancer they are. And it also gets you to cover a, um, the full range of criteria when you do that. If you were just to repeat it, you're not actually seeing the true reflection of their, their training or their technique. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. See, see in regards to like, sorry, I'm still on that question, but see in regards to like um, S1 and S2, and if you are still with those mixed ability classes, and that, I take it you don't really need to work on a specific style. Again, it's just about getting those key fundamentals about how to like, listen to the music and move like move with some rhythm and timing and kind of adhere to the fundamentals as you said yeah so I, I, you could stick to a style if you want but i think it naturally then progresses into that so for example if i'm doing you know fundamental movements locomotive non-locomotive it kind of naturally turns into maybe jazz mm -hmm. or if you're wanting to maybe draw them in a wee bit more and get their attention you might do a wee bit of street dance um when they've not, if there's no dance experience, now we do a lot of contemporary as well because it's very technical. They're all very technical based, but we study that as for part of the hire for their solos. So if you introduce that in first year, sometimes it frightens them mm -hmm. because it's very technical. So it's good to get them on board first of all. You know, again, get the trust, um, make them feel confident and comfortable, so that when you do. Teach them something different, like contemporary, which requires a lot of different, you know, characteristics. They they trust that you know what you're doing and they feel confident doing it and they know that they're doing the right thing. And I usually say to the young people as well, whatever I'm training you in, you know, it's skills for life. If you at the end of fifth or sixth year want to apply for further education and dance, 
you will be adequately trained so that mm -hmm. you feel confident in an addition you know in an addition process that will do technique classes and um, so it's important for me that even you're training them to provide them that opportunity and that option got you now that makes sense and in terms of the kind of easiest style of dance what's your kind of what would be like the easiest one to style wise or is that is, is that like a stupid question Oh, no, I just don't want to upset people. <laughs> oh, right, right, okay, okay, right, go ahead. I, do you know, I wouldn't say any style is easy. It's usually what is your preference. There's styles that are harder because you maybe you have to maybe train them for a longer time or have certain facility within the body. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's certain styles that some people just, you know, it's not, maybe it's not something that they can really fully focus on because they don't have the facility of the body so yeah so. no no that's a no that's a that's a fair answer for sure <laughs> you know, I, I, I take it there's more what's that clark ask me the question i know you're going to say social dance no that's me they're all easy all right <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> hey uh, Kerry, I forgot to tell you he's going to give us a, a solo dance at the end of this. He's got to show you. Yeah, I was kind of expecting that. I'm waiting to see. <laughs> so I've changed my mind. I think we will put this. I think we will put this one on YouTube. But just, <laughs> just your square. <laughs> no. no, thanks very much for that, Kerry. That was a, a really good insight into obviously um, how we would kind of introduce a block of dance to those kind of younger year groups and how to kind of overcome those barriers, especially as a teachers are only really that experienced in it. So I guess that leads me nicely onto my last question then. How can we ensure that every teacher feels comfortable with leading a dance lesson if we don't necessarily have that dancing background? So if you don't have the dancing background, what I would be strongly recommending is try to find, prior to your session starting, try and get some CPD. Mm -hmm. You feel comfortable, I think, young people can smell fear yeah so if you show fear or nervousness they can sense it and it maybe reflect on them or you know you might have some young people that kind of like thrive on it a little bit and so get some cpd do class whether it could be like a fun fitness class that's good dance related or if you want to keep it more seriously i would go to like a technique class mm -hmm. uh, i'd be looking for you know other CPD opportunities if you're doing things like choreography then you know you can you can find choreographic workshops out there if you're taking it a little bit more serious or you know you want to study if you're doing it in third and fourth year fifth and sixth year make sure you analyze professional choreographies whether it be online or in a theater so that when you're discussing that with the young people that you've got a clear understanding of what you're talking about mm -hmm seeing things what there's every there's so everything's accessible on youtube now isn't it so it's quite easy to do that um seek advice from yeah. specialists i think um it's it's a scary industry isn't it and some people don't like to admit when they need help or if they when it's you know it's a scared thing well i don't want to seem inadequate but seek advice from dance specialists you know mm. we're all yeah. <laughs> I like to help out. Um, there's dance support teams out there. You know, I've got the dance support team. There's 140 teachers on it, and people email each other all the time saying, "Can you give me advice on how to do this and what should I be doing now?" And the dance community is very supportive because our main focus is the kids. You know, give them the best experience. So seek advice, take class if you can. 
and yeah, don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this podcast right now, you're already halfway there. So that's a good starting point. <laughs> what about um, in terms of, is there any like can a CPD that you would recommend or that? Do you know of any like groups that can do this? I, I, know, there's, I, I know there's been things at like the SAP conference and stuff like that in the past, but is there anything that you could recommend for maybe novice dance teachers? Well, I wouldn't even class myself as a dance teacher, but PE teachers that have got very, very little experience in teaching dance. Yeah, well, you know, the dance support team that um, I run, we um, are looking at offering CPD opportunities where, you know, we'll provide, um, you know, dance sequences that you can turn to, you can, you can practice at home, resources have been shared, I mean, the, the members that are part of this team, the team are just amazing, everybody's been uploading all the resources, so it's, um, it's brilliant, you can actually just take those resources, adjust accordingly, but you know, you've got your, you've got some private um, organisations out there that offer CPT opportunities in dance, so maybe do like um, jazz technique workshops um, relating to National Five or higher, you've got, you know, you've got different organisations mm-hmm. that do Is that the one through SAP that you run? The... Oh, no, I, it's just my own one. Um, I just, was it last April, I, uh, about I just decided that we should have a dance support team, a dance community. So I, I work a lot in the private industry. So I work for um, Scottish Ballet, Lino Scotland's National Dance Company. I work there, and the team are all the team are absolutely amazing. They've all been professional dancers. They've been in the company. They've toured the world, and it is the most amazing support team. You know, we we constantly collaborate ideas. We help each other out, and I just felt within secondary education with dance you know particularly dance I, I'm not part of that piece so I didn't know anything was going on at the time and I was like I think I would quite like to start a support team where if there are any worries or concerns let's share them and let's work together so we started off with about 30 it was only advertised through Twitter 30 members and we now have I now have 140 um, and we upload resources constantly which we share we can take we can amend we can adjust we've had a couple of zoom calls where we've gone through like um like a planning stage for you know different courses we've looked at how can we overcome certain barriers particularly with covid etc so it's just a network for each other um, we've had a lot of new teachers see you know what's a plan of delivery can you show us or let me know how we we plan to deliver the course and I'm not I don't care about sharing anything I'll just like send it off and change do what you want with it if, if mm-hmm. it's sure then great if not then you know put it in the bin or whatever but it's just a sharing compassionate environment where we can support each other there are no egos we're all in the one team and we're, the fundamental thing is we're trying to do the best of the kids yeah yeah so that's important that that's what's at the core of it I suppose isn't it at the end of the day it's not um i think sometimes there's preconceived ideas about dance that it's you know we we don't like to share and we're very um protective but a dance community you know like i said before mm-hmm. you can dance or lifelong friends because you share that lovely you know the, the the passion for the subject so why not just all work together because yeah. work together just to give the kids the best experience yeah, absolutely. And is the the dance support team? Did you say is that a, on Microsoft Teams? Is it or is it like a? 
Yeah, so if anybody wants to join it, they just email me, they just send me a little Twitter message and I just put, add their Glow account. And, you know, there's just updates constantly and loads of resources on there. What, what's your Twitter handle if anyone's listening right now and they, they fancy joining that? Do you know yeah. it? Um, I was just on it. I can do go with you. <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> Can't believe this is a question that's been that's put you in the spot. <laughs> <laughs> McClellan Dance. I know it's a simple question. I can't. <laughs> no. Uh, McClellan Dance at Dance Understroke KSS. So sorry, what was that again? It just kind of went a wee bit. Oh, sorry. It's just K McClellan Dance, and it's at Dance Understroke KSS. Perfect. Ideal. No, thanks for that. Um, yeah, you're kind of insight into that last question. You're saying I think it is important that. We do reach out if we're, if we're not comfortable with anything and don't be afraid to ask for help. And especially with a, a um, activity that can be so done for people to teach, for pupils to learn, it's something that puts quite a lot of us out of our comfort zone. So that's the ultimate reason why we got you on this, this tonight, to kind of share your insight and your knowledge behind it. So thanks for sharing that. I'm sure a lot of people will take um, a lot of good information away from that. But that takes us nicely onto the, the final part of the podcast, which is the quick fire round of three questions that we ask all of our guests just for a wee bit of fun. Okay. Um, so, are you ready? Perfect. Perfect. And this doesn't need to doesn't need to even be dance related. So this is just kind of off topic, part for the last one. So, if you could have a giant billboard anywhere, what would it say on it? Dream big, work hard. Love it. I've got that. I have a bit. I have like a light in my my kitchen that says it. I think yeah, I have to dream big, but you need to work hard to get it. Yeah, no point in dreaming and not working for it. Doesn't yeah. it? Doesn't work, does it? No. Right, number two then. Which people or books have had the biggest influence on your life? Oh, uh, can I choose two? Yep. So the two people would be number one would be my mum because she just allowed me to follow my dreams. She never put any pressure on me. She was never a dance mom, and she said as long as I was happy, then she would support me and my dance teacher when I was a teenager she was my biggest inspiration for where I am today because without you know my dance school outside of school um I wouldn't be where I am today so she was my biggest influence she made me fall in love with dance brilliant and what what kind of what kind of level did you get to when you were at, like in terms of dancing well I actually because I started dance late with quite a lot of people so I started purely because I wasn't really exposed to a lot of clubs near where I lived I was um 14 when I started dancing um, I was part of like clubs at school where I would dance in clubs and I was in the gymnastics team and stuff and I was never at these clubs outside of school I just joined them as part of it and I got the opportunity to go to a dance class because you know somebody in my neighborhood had a car and they they could take me because my family didn't have a car at the time and then I started I fell in love with it a teenager and I was there like five to six days a week and then I auditioned for dance college at 17 and then I got into dance college but I got I went into like a second year which was quite good so I was there for two years completed the HND and then went off for a third year to do my degree so I say I started late, but I don't know if that's maybe kept my passion because mm-hmm. I didn't get bored of it easily or, you know, I wasn't going through that teenage stage where I was trying different yeah. things. Um, I was so focused on dance. That's actually a good point. I, I didn't really yeah. think of it that way. Yeah, I was so I focused. a good takeaway message in itself for any 
young dancers who are listening in from any any pupils that are listening that it's never too late to pursue your passion even in your kind of teenage years no it's not and i think when you do it in a teenage year it, you do keep a spark you keep your spark a little bit more because you maintain your interest so yep i was a late bloomer <laughs> brilliant so your mum and your dance teacher were your, your biggest influences and my book that's the biggest influence was this is the secret ah that is that the one about the law of attraction Right, brilliant. Now that is a, a fascinating book, actually. How it works, isn't it? The way that I think I, li- I think I listened to the audio book of it when I was. I've got quite a commute to work, but it was right. the the woman who was speaking, Ron- Rhonda something. Is it? Yeah, I can't actually tell you. I, I think it's Rhonda something, but she um, uh, she's an Australian woman. I can just remember her voice like speaking to me in this really inspirational way all the way. I love inspir. I listen to like spe- inspirational speeches all the time. So I love Will Smith. I love Denzel Washington. I listen to them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, motivational speeches are brilliant, and it pumps you up as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Sometimes you just need to be pick me up, don't you? I know, I listen to her before I get to my work and I go in and I feel like I'm going to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you get to be Dozy's inspirations for the podcast episodes. Oh, brilliant. So, That's good. I, I, feel as if, I feel like that lives, you know, like we, yeah. you know, every kind of one and then you take it into your practice. It's a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, or after, uh, after, you, after you've done it, the podcast, and then like, you finish, like, oh, it feels good. Like It's, it's a good feeling to know you've actually um, learned something and did something worthwhile. Yep. Right then, final one. What top three tips would you give to a teacher just now to help them get started with a dance block? Uh, okay. Take class. Mm-hmm. Go and see choreography, analyse it, watch it, and plan ahead and seek advice. Brilliant. And sign up to the dance support team. Sign up to the dance support team. <laughs> that's, that's, we'll give that a three and a half, right? Brilliant. <laughs> no, well, that um, that rounds us off uh, nicely for this tonight's episode of the podcast, Kerry. So, thanks very much for coming on and giving up your time to come on and um, give us a good insight into dance and how we can go about teaching it um, for for the people that aren't necessarily dance teachers out there. So, thanks for that. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Stay tuned for this week's takeaway messages from the boys at a wee bit of everything. Right, that brings us to the end of another fantastic episode, talking about all things dance, getting a, a good lesson or two there by Kerry, which was excellent. Got a, a lot of good insights and information. Um, feeling a wee bit more confident now if I had to go and teach dance to an S1 class. Um, at least I've got a, a kind of starting point now. But key takeaway messages, what's yours from tonight's episode? Well, I think with the takeaway message is we try and keep it something that's practical that we can implement in the next morning. So if I had a class tomorrow morning, first period, in gym, in gym two, then I would uh, definitely use this uh, practical strategy that she spoke about. Then, where she 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 would give a a movement for every number between one and eight, but she would do it as a whole class. So they would say number one's a a jump, a star jump, for example. Number two is a whatever, um, and just go through number one all the way to number eight, and then she could then. Or then we could uh, shout out a number, like a code, one, two, three, and have to try and do the three of them together, back to back, join them together, um, try and make an account of two, she says, uh, for each move. And then you can just shout out different codes and different uh, numbers. So I think she called it the, the military code, so that's something that I could implement tomorrow, something that takes away that 
kind of pressure of demonstrating it on their own and takes away the pressure from more more importantly me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, I, so that would definitely be my key taking message. What would yours be, young man? Uh, no, I, absolutely lovely again. A nice, succinct, agree with me. I think that's my new favourite word. Um, yeah, no, but you also mentioned about how you can introduce the music as well with that. So you can start calling out the code in time with the music. Then it's just like that kind of sneaky way, getting them getting them to do a bit of dance routine together without explicitly um, telling them that you're doing dance with them. So it's a, yeah, I think that's a... Probably put on DJ Sneak on and will be sneaky. <laughs> My favourite DJ back in the day. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, no, mine would be very similar to that. It's something that I like the idea of was getting them into groups and giving each group like a, a set thing that they had, a set criteria. So maybe it's like a jump in isolation and a turn. Um, and each group's got to create their own take on that. So it can be like doing a certain type of jump, a certain type of turn, change a level, all those sorts of things. And then you can get other, like the groups working together. Um, and putting the, the dance routine together and you can start obviously introducing the music so they're learning it in time with the music um, and that kind of I think that also takes the pressure off the teacher because you're getting them to come up with it themselves you don't necessarily need to be standing at the front leading a dance if you're not confident and you don't have the, the knowledge or the, the rhythm and timing to, to do that um, but no I think that's a, a really good strategy to use especially if you're teaching an S1 or an S2 class um, What's rhythm again? Do you know the best way to spell rhythm? What? Rhythm helps your two hips move. Maybe they'll forget oh, that. Right. If you take Why anything not? away for this podcast, it's, it's that tip. No, I'm only kidding on. Um, no, so that would, that would be mine. The, the group work, get them, give them a set criteria to work with, and then um, obviously they'll all come up with their own take on it, put their own flair and creativity on it, and then just get them to work together to, to put some sort of dance routine together. Um, yeah, you, spoke, you spoke there about a benchmark, creativity, which is probably one of the, the most important prominent ones during a dance block, isn't it? Especially mm-hmm. if you're doing a type of model where your corporate learning and, and your student-designed dances. Yeah, and I suppose if you've got that mixed ability groups, it's about thinking carefully who's in your groups. And if you have got dancers in your class, you know, position them in the groups sort of, um, to, to showcase their skills, their knowledge. Because if you've got that knowledge in there, then you've got that wee bit more creativity. You can only be as creative as the, the knowledge that you've got, you know. I've got one last takeaway, if it's all right. Take me away. Rhythm is the dancer. Mr. Cleland has the answer. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us in this week's episode of the podcast. We hope you've been able to take something away that you can implement into your practice or life. If you regularly listen to the podcast, then why not leave us a review to let us know how we're doing and where we can perhaps improve. That way we can take action and further develop the Obo podcast. Until next time, we hope you have a fantastic week. Take care.